Testament here this morning, Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15, and we'll read uh, several verses here in this, this chapter. This actually is the song of Moses. It's the first song recorded in Scripture, and um, uh, so it's, it's worthwhile for us to take a look at this here from Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall, be, shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy hand... The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hath led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. And we'll stop reading right there. This is, as I said, a, a song of Moses, the first song recorded in the scripture, uh, written by Moses, sang by him and the children of Israel. If you can ima imagine, there's estimated to be up as many as two million of these that uh, uh, exited uh, Egypt. And uh, can you imagine as they lifted up their voices to sing this song of praise? It's not only called the song of Moses, it's also called the song of the redeemed. The song of the redeemed because they came out of Egypt and uh, there was no singing going on down in Egypt. All that was going on in Egypt was sighing and crying, groaning and moaning. That was what the scripture says that uh, they did during those many years that they were held in bondage down in Egypt. Exodus 2.23, the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groanings 
And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. So before it was sighing and crying and groaning. But now on the other side of the Red Sea, after they have been delivered, the sighing and the crying should be over with. Now it's time to sing. Amen. It's a wonderful picture, really, in the scriptures, a wonderful picture of God's deliverance uh, for the, the people of God. We know how that God uh, responded to their cries and sent plagues uh, into Egypt. And they all suffered uh, those ten plagues. The last of the plagues was uh, the uh, death angel that came over them, came over uh, Egypt. And it was only uh, those uh, that uh, had the blood of an animal put over the lintel and on the doorpost that was preserved. And uh, Jews then down through the centuries have uh, celebrated Passover because of that Passover death angel that passed over their houses and they were preserved from judgment and from death because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. So as believers, we understand the wonderful picture of what it means to be redeemed, what it means to be saved. And uh, that salvation was not just a deliverance from the judgment that was going to come upon them, but it was also a great victory uh, for the children of Israel that had been beaten down and cast down and, and, uh, and uh, mistreated and abused all those many, many years. But now the Bible says they went out with a high hand. That that just simply means they went out with boldness and uh, uh, as a sign of we're walking out of here victorious. Now, when you read the text, you also take notice of the fact that when they left um, uh, uh, Egypt, that the Egyptians wanted them to leave because of all the plagues that had happened. They wanted them to leave and they gave them jewelry. They gave them of their wealth and their possessions, of their clothes, their raiment, their jewels, their gold, their silver, they gave to them. So they did not just leave being delivered from Egypt. They left in victory. Amen. They left with gifts. That's really also a wonderful picture of what our salvation. We're not just saved from judgment. We're not just saved uh, from uh, hell that is to come. We're saved uh, in victory. And we're saved being delivered uh, from uh, that bondage. And we have been redeemed. And we have too been given many gifts. God has blessed us and given us gifts and treasures that are ours because of the goodness of God and the grace of God. Praise God. Second Peter 1 and 3, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain into life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. Ephesians 4 and 8. Uh, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Praise God. So we, they were led out. And it's a, this wonderful picture of our deliverance, our redemption. And that's what happened to the, the children of Israel. As they, lead, uh, as they leave uh, Egypt, they are led by a pillar of fire by night. 
and a pillar of cloud by day. It wasn't the fastest route uh, for them to travel, but it was the way that God was leading them. It was the right way uh, that God was directing them and leading them. Probably hard for them to understand, especially when they find themselves in a tight spot. Have you ever been in a tight spot before? Have you ever been up against it before? They found themselves with the Red Sea in front of them, the mountain ranges by, uh, around them, and the Pharaoh's army is behind them. I mean, they are in a tight spot. And uh, if you serve the Lord for any length of time at all, you're going to find yourself from time to time in difficult circumstances. You're going to be up against it in some trying situation in your life. But never forget who you belong to and who is leading you. And he's even leading you into the tight spot for a reason and a purpose. Uh, and in the midst of all of that struggle and in the midst of all of that fear, God was going to show himself mighty and strong to the children of Israel. Let me tell you something about getting into tight spots. For one thing, when you get into a position like that, it begins to reveal your character. It reveals what you're made out of. It shows where your faith is. When you get up against it in a trial of trouble or sickness or, or whatever that the circumstance that you're in, it reveals who you are and what you are made of. Deuteronomy 8 and 2. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart. It's pretty revealing when you get into trouble and you're up against it, when you're in a tight place, and it's pretty revealing what's going on in your life and in your heart. Amen. It really is. Not only does it reveal what's in your life, what's in your heart, and it reveals whether or not you've got any faith or confidence in God. Faith really becomes important when you find yourself in a trying situation. And they found themselves uh, in this tight place. The Red Sea in front of them. Pharaoh's army behind them. They're boxed in. They're in a situation they cannot deliver themselves from. But it reminds us that when we get in these times and that God works in his own way, in his own time, and that he needs to be trusted. Amen. And we know that these tight times, these difficult times, cause us to become more and more dependent upon God. More and more trusting of the Lord and know that God is able to help you. Praise God. Now here they are just outside of uh, this uh, Egyptian bondage. Uh, but now they're already in trouble. They're in trouble. And Moses said, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you to this show you this day. This is one of my favorite verses in the scripture. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that a great verse? Amen. You've been dealing with these Egyptians uh, for decades, for centuries, 400 years. The Israelites were under the bondage of Egypt. And now they're pursuing them 
And God is getting ready to deliver them uh, from the Egyptians. And it's going to be a, a, a once and for all deliverance. They're going to they're be out of sight, out of mind. They're going to be gone. You're going to be delivered from them forever. Amen. You will see them again no more forever. Let me tell you, some of us sometimes, we have, a, we have problems and needs in our life. And it's kind of, it's kind of a situation that won't go away. We just keep dealing with it. We just keep wrestling with it. It's a problem and we don't know how to solve it. We're doing everything we know uh, to resolve the situation. And we just need the mighty hand of God to deliver us, to set us free so that you'll see this problem no more forever. A complete deliverance. And we know how that God did that. Moses stretched forth his hand and his rod and the Red Sea opened up and they were able to march across that uh, Red Sea on dry ground. They marched through the, the bed of that uh, Red Sea on dry, dry, dry ground. It's quite a miraculous thing that happened to them. All of it, of course, is a wonderful picture of our salvation, our deliverance, our coming through the Red Sea, our baptism, all of these wonderful things that are a wonderful type and a picture uh, to us um, uh, as children of God. Praise God. Now, I want you to be reminded of the fact that on the other side of all of this, that God gave Moses a song. He gave him a song, a song of redemption. A song of deliverance. His sister, um, she, um, she, she was a, a prophetess. Did you hear that? Miriam was a prophetess, it says. She was the sister of, of Aaron. She took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. So Moses wrote the song. And they, all the congregation of Israel sang it. But then Miriam and a lot of the ladies, they took their tambourines and they just had a Pentecostal hallelujah service. Amen. On the other side of the victory, on the other side of the victory, they enjoyed it. They sang the song. They sang the song of, of, of deliverance. Now, let me tell you, Moses wrote this, this he wrote this uh, song. It's not the only song that he ever wrote. You can turn over to Psalm 90, and uh, uh, it says right at the top of Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. So whenever you read, now David wrote about half of the Psalms, but there were other Psalms written by different, uh, different people, and Moses wrote Psalm 90, and it says right at the heading, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So God used Moses even though whenever he was first called of God, Moses gave all the excuses saying, I'm not eloquent, I can't speak, I don't have uh, uh, the ability to do this, I'm not an eloquent person, I, I'm just a servant, I'm slow of speech, he said, I'm slow of speech, I'm slow of tongue, but God was shaping him and developing him. Let me just remind you that if God calls you to do something, it's not about your ability or your qualifications. 
If God says do it, it's because he's going to equip you and empower you to do whatever it is that he's asking you to do. He'll give you the ability to do it. And even though Moses said, I can't do it, I can't speak, here he is, a songwriter. Here is a poet. Here he is, a psalmist, writing all of these great psalms. And then when Stephen preached his message just before he was stoned to death, he said this about Moses. He said, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deed. Praise God. Let me tell you, there's been a real transformation take place in the life of Moses from the time that he thought he couldn't speak and he wasn't eloquent and he wasn't qualified to the time now that Stephen later says he is mighty in word and in deed. Praise God. That's what God can do with your life if you're willing to say yes to the Lord and be, you're willing to, to uh, follow whatever it is he's calling you to do. Just be reminded he will equip you. He'll qualify you. He'll give you the gifts that are necessary and the ability that's necessary to do what he's calling you to do. Praise God. So Miriam worships and dances with tambourines and worships. You know, worship, worship has to be God-focused. Worship is a heart response to the goodness of God and the greatness of God. Sad to say some of the worship songs that are written these days are kind of man-focused. It's all about how I feel and all what's going on in my life and all of my problems. But in reality, real worship songs should be songs that glorify God, that speak to the greatness of our God. So if it's a, if it's a 17th century hymn or if it's a more modern song that's been written, it needs to give glory and honor to the Lord. And uh, that's the kind of worship that we need to be involved in. Now, I went through all of this uh, 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 the examples here from the, the experiences of Moses and the children of Israel and how that God brought them out and gave Moses the song and used him mightily uh, to, to lead the children of, of Israel. But I want you to take notice of the last part of this chapter that we did not read. The last part of the chapter, uh, the Bible says that they came to Marah. Three, this is three days later. Actually, let's go back to verse 22. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, which means bitter, they could not drink of the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured. It made me think of, I've been around Pentecost all my life. I've been in church all my life. And I have seen folks on Sunday night, you thought they were going to tear the place down. I'm telling you, they, they would get into the meeting and God just be blessing them and moving in their life so great. By Wednesday night, they could hardly drag in the door. Three days later, they dried up. And uh, uh, by the time they get here Wednesday night, they're barely going. They're barely surviving. It's kind of like the children of Israel. It was three days journey. They just come from that big shouting meeting over there on the other side of the Red Sea. Tambourines and dancing and glorifying God. Three days later, what are they doing? They're complaining. They're murmuring and they're complaining. And you see that becomes a pattern 
and, uh, uh, for, for the children of Israel. They're murmuring and they're complaining. They're complaining here because the water is bitter and they're thirsty. You go on down in chapter 16, and it's uh, the murmurings in the wilderness of the children of Israel. In the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he that heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that we murmur against, uh, that, that ye murmur against us? And then in verse 8, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him, and your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And you just keep going through chapter 16 and chapter 17, and you'll see this is a pattern that starts in the life of, uh, uh, of the children of Israel, murmuring and complaining and bitter and, and uh, uh, always uh, uh, in that, uh, that mindset. How quickly we change our attitudes. How quickly, like I said, Sunday night, I mean, having a big meeting, everybody's shouting, having a great glorious time, but by Wednesday night, they've dried up. And they're murmuring and they're complaining over the problems of, the, of, of their life. And, uh, you know, murmuring and complaining is a, is a revelation of your heart. It really reveals the bitterness of your heart. That's why that this water was revealing the condition of their hearts. That there is this bitterness that was in their heart. Mara. And that murmuring and complaining and that griping, that dishonors the Lord. It dishonors God. It neglects to remember the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. Don't allow your circumstances to turn you into complainer. Be a, singing, be a singer of the song of the redeemed, but don't allow your trials and your struggles to turn you into a murmurer and a complainer. Amen. Amen. Honestly, folks, it doesn't take very long to change our disposition, but the Lord can help us. The Lord can help us. Notice that he saw a tree and he threw that tree into the water and the bitter water became sweet. Amen. Praise God. Do you know what can change your bitter heart, your complaining, your murmuring? You know, I don't like the kind of songs they sing. I, I, the preacher preaches too long. It's too cold in that building. Or it's too hot in that building. Or, or it's unbelievable. Uh, the complaints and the murmuring and complaining that can come. You know what you need? You need a trip to the cross. You need to take a trip to the cross. If you've allowed bitterness to get a hold of your heart, you need to go to the cross. You need to go to the altar. And you need to get a hold of God and pray that thing through. Because really what's happening is your bitter heart is being revealed. Your complaining heart is being revealed. Amen. They couldn't drink of the waters of Mara for they were bitter. But the Lord showed him a tree which he had cast when he had cast it into the water, the waters were made sweet. Praise God. Amen. 
You know what would make a, a bitter person into a sweet person? Some time in the, in the altar. The time, some time in the presence of God. Amen. Uh, too much of the time we are, we're pointing, our, pointing at others and say it's their fault, it's their problem, it's their the reason. That, and there's, there's always a reason why if you've allowed bitterness to get a hold of your life, you need a trip to the cross. You need a, a, to make a journey to the altar, to the presence of God. You get that thing prayed through and you'll get out of the altar. You'll be singing the song of the redeemed again. Amen. Amen. That bitter heart, that bitter attitude will become sweet once again. Amen. You know, a bitter person, the, the scripture talks about uh, that that uh, root of bitterness springs up and it defiles everyone around you. Everyone is affected by it. As a matter of fact, if you're always spewing complaints and bitterness, you know what people are going to do? They're going to avoid you. They're not going to want to be around you. Uh, they're going to go the opposite direction when they see you coming because they know that all it's going to be is a spewing of all of your complaints and your murmuring. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to go down this trail this way. Amen. Maybe there's a few complainers here today and uh, we need to get around the altar as quickly as possible. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to get in the altar and get it prayed through and uh, turn that bitter heart into a sweet heart. Amen. Amen. Turn that bitter disposition into a sweet disposition. And that can take place when you get in the presence of God. Amen. I think it's interesting that in this text that the Lord says, this is verse 26, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to the commandment which and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Isn't it interesting that that is the verse that verse is given right in the same text of this bitter water experience. Amen. I think a lot of, obviously that he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the healer of all of our sicknesses and all of our diseases. But he can also heal, heal your bitter heart. He can heal your complaining and murmuring spirit. Amen. And that healing can take place in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That healing can take place in the altar. And if you have allowed yourself to get angry and bitter over whatever circumstance of your life, a lot of people are going to be affected by that. Everybody that comes around you is going to be affected. But instead, you need to get to the altar and pray that thing through. And then when you come up out of that altar... You're going to be singing the song of the redeemed. Amen. You're going to be rejoicing in the faithfulness of God, in the goodness of God. It's not going to be bitterness anymore, but it's going to be sweetness that's going to come out of your mouth and out of your heart, an expression of the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. Amen. How quickly they went from the song of the redeemed to the complaining crowd there just three days. Just three days. And they needed, they needed to have that encounter with the cross. 
that tree that was thrown into that bitter water that sweetened it up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what the Lord can do when he heals us of all of our problems and all of our, our uh, bitter hearts. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you administer today to everybody in this building. And Lord, some who may be dealing with discouragement and they may be dealing with a bitterness in their heart. Lord, maybe they have, they have faced uh, offenses or maybe they have felt like that the Lord has failed them and they have allowed this root of bitterness to spring up in their heart. And I just pray, Lord, that you administer to them today in the presence of God and at the foot of the cross, you administer to them and heal that bitter heart, that bitter spirit, and restore the song of the redeemed in their life, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name.